With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Anonymous Eagle Podcast. My name is Patrick Leary. I'm here with Sam Newberry. Uh, Sam, uh, how about that exhibition game on Tuesday, huh? What a what a great time that was. Look, I had a meltdown about it, and it was an <laughs> exhibition game against a D three local school. Let's just let's just not do that. Let's 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 uh, not get too far into it. Yeah, I don't. We're not going to spend too much time on an exhibition game against a bunch of six three to six five white guys, but. I guess what I would say, um, we'll get right into it. Um, the game was sloppy to start. Uh, just there was no sort of sync uh, showed by the offense, and it was really sad um, to watch them miss as many threes as they did in the first half. Um, but I don't know. I don't want to put too much stock into it. You probably are much more depressed about it than i am just based on the conversations we've had uh off pod here but um i i guess i don't know G- give me a, give me a little 30 to 45 second rant and then i I'll just share some of my positive thoughts i say there's just like there's no way a top 10 offense in the country should look like that against a d3 opponent i don't care if you're you're trying new things or what have you it looked like it looked like they were running sets that were familiar. It looked like they were, you know, moving the they were moving the ball some, but it was just there was nothing clicking for that offense. The the sloppy passes, and I get that maybe yeah, it's an exhibition against Carroll where you know you're going to win by forty, but it's just really infuriating to me that that even happened. Yeah. Like that should have been that should have they should have won that by sixty, you know. Yeah, but. Here we are, and I—it's not almost losing to a D two school last year bad, but right. it's definitely not encouraging, especially with all of the hype surrounding Marquette. Right, and again, I know we're complaining about beating a team by thirty three points here, but I—my I, thought on why they looked so sloppy, especially in the first half, was just that they didn't really like care about the game that much um i know wojo was yelling at them a lot and like trying to get them into the game but i just i think it's probably hard if you're a d1 team that's supposed to be super legit like they are this year to get up for a game that's just against a clearly inferior opponent um and they never played on uh, the Pfizer Forum court um, in a real game setting against a real opponent before, so I'm sure there was some rust and nerves and all that associated with it. Um, some things I did like, um, well, one thing I did like for sure was Joey Hauser. Joey Hauser is wow. Like, it, I just hope he stays healthy because if that's what he's like at 18, I that guy's ceiling is out of control. His ceiling is as high as any player Marquette has had in a really long time, just based on some of the stuff he flashed in that game. 
Um, this is where I get to eat crow too, because I said that, oh well, is he healthy? Will he fit in with the the hyped, you know, Brandon Bailey and the hyped, obviously, you know, play next to his brother Sam and Jamal Kane, like. Where's he going to get minutes? And I was basically halfway through the second half, I went, can I, can I retract yeah. that, please? <laughs> he had a couple of plays. And, I mean, it was really encouraging to see him sort of run a high pick and roll action with Marcus. Um, and I shouldn't say pick and roll, high pick action, because he would sort of just fade to the corner off of it. And I don't know if this is a... Uh, you know, this is what only Carroll defenders are going to do, but I can kind of see uh, Division One defenders doing this, at least for a few games. It's just everyone jumps to Marcus um, when a guy sets a pick and Marcus is on the perimeter, and Joey was, you know, he was uh, popping wide open out of that um, quite a bit, and I was, like, really encouraged to see that, and especially because he appears to be a fairly good shooter, especially for his size. Um, and I'll give you some credit here. You don't have to eat crow in this one because I thought Sakar Annam looked the most ready to play in Division One basketball games of anyone on the court. I mean, he he was showing some. I mean, again, like these guys were six three to six five white guys, but Sakar was Sakar was really showing some athleticism and strength and you know veteran presence, I guess, uh, in that game. I mean it. W- when you have the athleticism to dominate a game, you have to use it, and he did. So, I mean, I can't find any fault in his performance. I can't find any fault in Joey's performance. Joey's performance makes you really, like, envision this really wacky, like, double screen set with him mm-hmm. and Sam and Marcus coming off one direction and both of them popping to different points on the three-point line mm-hmm. based upon which direction Marcus goes. Um, that's just... that. I really hope that happens because I want to like stand up and cheer when that happens. Sure. Um, I mean, Marcus didn't have the greatest game of all time. Um, yeah, I don't know. He, uncharacteristically he cold from three. Yeah. Um, Chartuni looked at, as advertised. Sure. Um, got into some foul trouble. There was a a lot of ticky tack stuff, but also a lot of stuff where he was just obviously better than the person he was guarding mm. and. You know, maybe the refs gave him that. I don't know how that'll translate yet to the better opponents he'll be guarding sure. in D1. Um, hopefully you can stay out of foul trouble because that's the last thing we need. You know, he flashed the the assists um, that we expected from him. Ed Morrow. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was, was going to ask you what. I, I, was, I was confused by his performance because yeah. we got the, the rebounding and we got some of the defense. And I mean, he was clearly like a, a dude amongst... Like, boys, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. At the same time, like, he had, like, the quietest 16 points, and most of it was just because he was more athletic than the 6'4 dude guarding him and just got a lot of easy runners over people in the lane. Yeah. I'm confused by his performance, and I'm not, like... And same with Brendan Bailey. Um, Kind of both of them. I think my jury is still out on them. Oh, for sure. Um... I mean, it's early. Yeah, it's obviously. Yeah, game. it's an exhibition game. But it's it just like you hear all of the stuff about how they're going to contribute and yeah. you know, the hype surrounding each of them. And then they come out and have meh games in yeah. an exhibition. And I mean, yeah, it is an exhibition. We shouldn't read that far into it. But yeah. at the same time, you know, that's, um, a, that's one game where you expect to dominate. And, right. And they didn't look good for a little while. I thought they were fine um, towards the end. But again, it's... Um, we got to just see once they start playing opponents that are going to force them to actually play well. Um, yeah. And I guess my biggest concern coming out of it is I am worried about Theo John's thumb. Um, 
this team seems to not be able to avoid thumb injuries. Ike didn't play. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> okay. Back injury. So here's what I would say. I, it wasn't. There's no clear report out there about what exactly is wrong with Ike. I think we can probably assume that it's something to do with that. Um, either that or he's just like not ready to play. Um, I'm more concerned about Theo just because I think I actually expect a role for Theo. I think he's, um, you know, in that game... Um, there were minutes to be had for Theo John as a um, maybe not the backup center necessarily since they were playing a lot of non-Matt Health sets, um, but as sort of that third rotational um, top of the or the biggest guy on the court uh, spot. Yeah, he he could have gotten 15 minutes out of that game, and the fact that he didn't is a bummer because his potential remains extremely high. Um, and I hope his thumb is all right. I mean, there's nothing... I haven't seen anything out there updating it, whether he's going to be ready for the opener or anything. Um, but again, he's a guy that I want to see uh, blossom this season. Yeah, it's a good thing they held him out, um, just sure. precautionary. Yeah. And, I mean, to be fair, as a big guy, he doesn't need his thumb as much. He's not going to be passing or shooting sure. as much. He just needs to be able to catch. physically use it, catch and finish. Catch and finish, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. He's not a guy that... He's not... Yeah, like, a it, it's a lot more of a dexterity. problem for Greg, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but Theo's not going to dribble you, you also want him to be healthy. You want him to contribute right. and not have to worry about it. So, um, I mean, that's all the takeaways I have. Yeah. I am, the, I am the noted pessimist of us two. Yeah. So... And... I don't know. I'm not worried about them based on that one game. It would have just been nice to see them come out and dominate, I guess. Is. I think yeah. we can both agree on that. Like, dominate more than they already did. Like, yeah. Let's be real here. The, the second half looked yeah. adequate. If they fun. can put together that second half twice or twice in the two halves they played, I feel 100% fine about their performance. But yeah. I just, you know, that offense at times looked way too out of sync against a D3 opponent for sure. a top 10 offense. Sure. Well, all right. Um, let's get into our uh, main subject today, um, which was which is going to be a full breakdown of the uh, 2018-19 schedule. Um, Maybe not game by game. Not game by game, but we are going to go over some of the biggest um, uh, highlights on the schedule this year talk about some of the marquee opponents, um, and then sort of give our uh, read on uh, overall performance. Um, before we get into it, um, I want to touch on um, sort of the general hype that's been surrounding the team this season. Um, I don't think you can write a... I don't think you're allowed to write a co- college basketball prediction uh, article that is comprehensive without mentioning Marquette this offseason. I mean, they have really been all over the place. Um, you know, uh, as sort of teams to watch in previews. Um, Marcus Howard is in every, you know, top player list. Um, the Athletic, I mentioned this to you just before we started recording, The Athletic had Marcus Howard as the second best lead guard in the country, only behind Carson Edwards from Purdue and ahead of Shamori Pons. That was like, this that's is interesting. That's, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know if I disagree, but it's just like, that's really high praise, and I and I guess it's been consistent um, with what they've been getting. I mean, um, uh, Paint Touches put together a nice little aggregator of um, who is picking um, Marquette to do what, um, and it was a pretty it's a pretty um, homogenous set of predictions. Um, more 
often than not, Marquette is getting picked second in the Big East. Um, that is just everyone saying, okay, we look at the the rosters in the Big East, and this is the one that's the closest to Villanova, which is again high praise, like high praise, and like a lot of expectations, especially in a team with a team that has not really the only time they ever faced those expectations within the conference they underperformed. That was obviously the last Buzz Williams year, but they're not used to getting this kind of uh, consensus uh, from the uh from uh, national pundits and um paint touch that same paint touches article uh aggregated the uh groups that um the uh, outlets that have ranked full uh you know sort of top 25 at least rankings and marquette averaged um 24 in those um and they are just outside the official ap top 25 um how do you feel about uh, sort of the consensus that's emerged that Marquette's um, sort of in this preseason most likely to finish second and be sort of a fringe top 25 team? Um, I mean, again, noted pessimist. I, sure. It feels like overkill at times. It feels a little bit yeah. like we, we haven't proven anything yet. Yeah. But then if you look at it from you know a rational human being's point of view, um, you see the minimal roster turnover, the returning offense, um, the addition of the athletes we've gotten to bolster the weak areas of the team, what every other team has, has gained and lost. Um, yeah. You know, all of those wacky things. And rationally, it makes sense. I think that, um, I mean, and we'll get into it a bit later. Uh, I think they'll probably finish inside the top 25 um, based upon where I project wins sure. and losses. I Just... From a purely mathematical point, um, I have them finishing twenty fourth. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that it's it's warranted, it's deserved. Um, you know, nothing about it is shocking. Um, and the fact that some people are a little bit cooler than others, and some people are a little bit hotter than others on them is fine. Yeah, um, that's always going to happen. I mean, dear lord, some people, <coughs> Ross Steinkoff, um, yeah, is putting like Xavier in the top fifteen for some reason. I don't know why. Well, he's a psycho, so... Yeah. It is Rasta. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, the expectations are there. They've always been there for this year. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think I have a similar take to you on it. Um, I'm not convinced that they're going to be that good yet. Um, I've got to see it. I've got to see it from Wojo's, from a Wojo team. But I think the logic of putting them where they've been put by a lot of people is sound just because um, they return most of their talent. They add a bunch of talent and the talent that they lose, AKA Andrew Rousey um, is going to be viewed as a net benefit in a lot of ways. I mean, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think they're going to struggle to replicate any sort of offensive outburst that he could put forth um, at his peak. Um, But I think that not having him there um, will bolster the defense. So I think the logic in expecting them to be, um, you know, somewhere between 20 and 30 where most people have them is completely reasonable at this point. So let's get into the schedule. Um, We want to talk about sort of the big highlights um, and then we'll kind of do like our record prediction um, at the end. Um, Starting in Brooklyn, um, we're playing Kansas. 
Number uh, one, number AP one Kansas. team in the country. I think when that came out, we were like, "Yeah, Kansas, that's awesome." Marquette gets to play Kansas. And now that we've had time to digest that, we're like, "Oh crap!" Yeah, Kansas. yeah. Well, it's like I don't know if I don't know if we necessarily just people necessarily thought that Kansas was going to end up being the number one team in the country going into this year. Um, they I were, think they a lot were always tossed around, right? They were. I mean, I think we knew they were going to be top five, but like, it, it's not. Um, much of a jump to say that Kansas is going to be the number one team in the country when Marquette plays them, which I don't think I was expecting that. I mean, Kansas plays Michigan State, so that's all they basically, because they'll be... That's a pretty good test. Yeah, they'll beat Vermont and Louisiana Lafayette, probably. Where do they play Michigan State at? It's it's the neutral site game in the Champions Classic. Oh, gotcha. So, if they win that game, which is, you know, they'll probably... Uh, Bartovic has 64% chance to win, um, which I think is probably accurate. Um, Kansas is number one in Ken Palm. Um, gosh, Ken Palm has them two offense, one defense. That's Jesus. disgusting. Ken Palm says 72%. Um, so the thought is that Kansas will be undefeated and number one in the country when they play Marquette in Brooklyn on November 21st in Brooklyn. Um, that's a crazy, that's a crazy game for Marquette. What a spotlight. Um, I don't really think Marquette has much of a chance. Um, especially sort of still putting it together Marquette. Yeah. Um, I think there was some hope that I think we've lost a little bit. And again, we probably shouldn't overemphasize the uh, importance of the exhibition, but I think we a little bit of the, oh, we're going to come out like a house on fire this season has worn off. Um, so, yeah, I, gosh, Kansas is a really deep and effective team. And that's even with one of their best players suspended. Or That's, well, one yeah. of them. Silvio. Yeah. Silvio D'Souza, um, probably, I would guess, not going to play this season. Probably not, no. It's um, the same thing that happened to, uh, oh, crap, what's his name? Uh, Press... Yeah, Billy Preston. Yeah, Billy Preston. Yeah. yeah, the Billy Preston mystery. Do you listen to One Shining Podcast? Uh, every now and again. Okay, yeah. yeah. That was, but anyway. Moving well, on. Shout so out to One Shining let's, Podcast. Let's just assume that we lose to Kansas. Yeah, that's I, a pretty I just, good assumption. I think that, I don't think Marquette is going to be able to be Kansas on neutral site. I think that's a great, just, my thought on that game in general is that's a great game for the program. Yeah. Um, so, would you rather see Marquette play Louisville and, or Tennessee and why? I'd rather play Louisville mm-hmm. because a it, it's always just fun to yeah like trash Louisville. I don't yes. not, not say we're going to absolutely destroy them, but yeah. like the the old Big East rivalry and the fact that they ditched and yeah. the old I remember the the twenty thirteen game against Louisville was just heated. Like um, that was the championship team from Louisville. yeah yeah. Well, no, 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 no. That's not canon anymore. Remember? Oh right, yeah. Excuse we, me. We uh, erased history, but that, yeah, that championship is now vacated. Yeah. But, but yeah, the so original holders of yeah. that championship. Um, so I'd rather play Louisville for the myriad of storylines. Plus, it's the more winnable game. Tennessee has a terrifying group of seniors um, that would probably eat Marquette alive. Yeah, um, they're all long, lanky, athletic seniors with all the experience, and they're defensive minded and tough, and sort of just like. They're they're the scary South Carolina, but on steroids that Marquette hit in the the tournament in 2017. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Just for perspective, Ken Palm has Tennessee at 11 and Louisville at 63. Yeah. Um, but I think Louisville um, 
I so again, I don't pretend to know how the new RPI, the net rating works, um, but I would assume that the difference in playing Louisville and Tennessee isn't um, substantial enough to make up for the fact that Marquette will have a win that's easier and maybe a game that's more fun on paper because, like you said, the old conference rivalry plus Chris Max to coach yep. now. Um, and I just think that's probably a better game for Marquette as as it looks like more of like a third-place game mm-hmm. in that uh, in that tournament. And um, so, I don't know. Um, if it ends up being Kansas and Louisville, 1-1, uh, and one, I think we both agree, is yeah. the most likely outcome there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's... it's- Again, um, the, the the most likely outcome could actually be zero and two. We don't really know. Yeah. But, but honestly, I I think one and one is probably the best place to hedge your bets. Sure. Um, I mean, if Louisville somehow beats Tennessee, um, maybe Tennessee's just off, or maybe they have somebody hurt or something, and Marquette can beat Tennessee. But um, I think I think one and ones like if you were, if you were a betting person. Or if I was a betting person, I should say, I, I would say one and one. Yeah, I, I would say it's probably fair to call it maybe a coin flip between one and one and two and oh and two. Um, two and oh would be shocking and amazing. Yeah. Two and oh, we'd have to like really reset. Two and oh, we would trash cam- thinking. We would trash campus if yeah. two and oh happened. Yeah. Us alumni run back to campus and trash it. Hey, man, what um, happens? They, I guess they, don't they, did it it, they did it at Nova. Um, I'm going to save uh, the most intense game here for the end. Um, and. Let's just go into what another game in the non-conference besides the game against they who shall not be named um, uh, is for you. What are you most intrigued by in the non-conference besides the Brooklyn tournament? I know that you want to talk about one of them, so I'll talk yeah. about the other. Um, Kansas State at home, mm-hmm. part of the, I guess it's technically part of the I, the year before the Big 12 Big East Challenge starts. Yes. But... Um, you know that's that's a an elite eight team returning everyone, including a a key player who was hurt. Um, Can I just say I don't think you think about that as an elite eight team because they like didn't like have to really beat anybody. And they beat Kentucky, man. Yeah, <laughs> that was a. Didn't they lose to Loyal Chicago though? Yeah, but that was the yeah. that was the sister dream gene right. miracle. Right, that was like the 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 bracket in the NCAA tournament that just blew up though. Yeah. Well, that was one where. Marquette opponent Buffalo upset Arizona, continuing Sam's curse of Arizona destroying his bracket uh, day one. Right. Of every- well, correct me if I'm wrong though. Kansas State was a nine seed, but their second round game was against UMBC. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that- <laughs> that's what I was thinking of. That was like they were like a nine seed, but they didn't actually have to play a one seed. So Kansas that was State's weird. a lot like Tennessee to me though. They're yeah. all juniors and seniors returning. They all have the experience. Um, you know. They're athletic. They're tough. They play in a really tough league. Yeah. Um, you know that's gonna be that's gonna be the hardest game Marquette plays, beside outside of in, at least in my opinion outside of Kansas in the non-conference. My only my only disagreement with that um, is because it's at home. I think it sets up easier for them. Um, but I could see the logic as just on paper that that's the second toughest team that they play. Uh huh. Um, I don't like Bruce Weber as a coach. I don't think he's um, a very good coach, and I think um, his, um, I, I just don't think he's ever really maintained consistency of a program. And I think that that elite eight parent appearance is yeah. um, sort of uh, overrating him at the moment. Um, especially like I mentioned, they, you know, didn't have to play a one seed as a nine seed to get to the yeah. elite. And eight. they did squeak by 
again, a, an always young Kentucky team. Yeah, and the, you know, as far as Kentucky teams go, that last year's team doesn't really stack up as yeah, well. There's, they will not be remembered as a top five Calipari team by any means. No. Um, so the game I wanted to talk about was Indiana at Indiana. Um, mm. That is, I believe, Marquette's third game of the season. Yes. Am I correct in yeah, that? So we have UMBC and Bethune-Cookman at right. home, and then we go to Assembly Hall. Yes. Um, that is not an easy place to play. I don't no. know if uh, college basketball fans would know that, probably. Um, and Indiana is, um, you know, it's a program that's been somewhat down the last couple of years as Crean has sort of, like, been on the way out, and Archie's season last year wasn't great. Um, but... The Romeo Lankford train is real. Like, that, the enthusiasm around the program in Indiana about that Romeo Lankford kid is just... Go watch his tape, man. Yeah. It's it's psychopathic. It's so good. He's so good at the game of basketball, it's almost physically disgusting. That's a game that feels like it's too early on Marquette's schedule. Yeah. Um, It's a tough, tough place to play. A real premier talent like Langford, plus a really uh, solid veteran in Jawan Morgan, and that yeah, Assembly Hall just that. Yeah, I don't feel I don't feel comfortable with a Marquette team going to Assembly Hall with their only sort of preparation for it being we played UMBC and Bethune Cookman. Yeah, it's just not a situation I'm super comfortable with, um, and. It's going to be a tough game for them uh, on all facets. It's going to be a fun game, though, because I think a lot of um, predictions that I've seen have been treating Marquette and Indiana fairly similarly. Um, yeah, sort of dark horses to yeah. be really, really, really good. Teams that weren't that great last year that are better now because of the roster improvements. I mean, if you look at Ken Palm, Indiana is 28 and Marquette is 29. Yeah. Um, Bartovic has... Uh, uh, Indiana 26 and Marquette 29. So it's like those are they're evenly matched teams in similar situations. I think it's a really fun game. I just think it's a challenge for Marquette to in their third game of the season go play in one of the toughest places to play. Um, yeah. I think we also before we get into um, everyone's favorite game um, we should talk about Buffalo. Um, it's a team that upset um, Arizona in the tournament last year. Yeah, um, I liked your comparison um, before we started recording to that game as sort of this year's Vermont. Um, I was I I view it similarly. Um, Ken Palm has Butler at seventy one, which Buffalo. For, excuse me, Butler. Yes, uh, Buffalo. Excuse me, um, Buffalo at seventy one, which for a mid major team is that is not like a Gonzaga. Um, is really high ranking. Um, and so, especially from a conference in the MAC that's really not known for producing quality basketball um, on a regular basis, um, that's a veteran team that, again, you mentioned, uh, has is coming off of that victory over Arizona. Um, and uh, if Bartovic's uh, roster projections are to be believed, um, he projects... Uh, Four of the five uh, most uh, most minutes uh, on their roster for seniors, and the one that's not a senior is a junior. So that is going to be a game that Marquette cannot overlook um, because it's going to be a tough team coming into um, 
the forum at sort of a dead time in the schedule. Yep. It's sort of in between that um, finals week game we play over every year against that team we don't like um, and the start of the, the conference season. Um, and that's usually a time where Marquette does not play that really challenging of a slate. I mean, the two other games around it um, are their worst game of the non-conference against Southern and North Dakota. So those aren't exactly teams that you know you have to really worry about. But mixing Buffalo in right before Christmas has sort of a trap gamey yeah. feel to it. Yeah. So you want to make sure that that's a game that they're up for because if not, I mean that's a that's a really quality mid major that could that, cause that, some problems. And that's a mid major looking to steal a bid. Sure. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. Exactly. That's going to be the MAC is like a crazy conference. I think it's got like fourteen or fifteen teams in it. And it's like you don't want to play if you're a team that's rated that highly. They don't want to have to deal with like if they don't make the tournament or if they don't win their conference tournament, they'll uh, not uh, make the tournament. So yeah, I mean that's going to be a real a legitimate challenge that you know everyone talking about the Brooklyn tournament, um, Indiana, Kansas State, and that other game we're about to talk about. Um, they don't think about Buffalo. Yeah. All right, let's talk about that other game. Um, the Wisconsin um, Badgers, I believe is how you pronounce it. Yeah, it's French, like right? Um, they are... Uh, Ken Palm has them 20. Ken Palm loves Wisconsin um, because of the efficiency they play with is what I always convince myself. Um, Bartervik is a Wisconsin guy. He has them 24th. Um, a lot of what I've seen on Wisconsin um, preseason... I've seen more Marquette at the back half of top 25s than I've seen Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin is in a lot of them, but there's also a lot that leaves them out because I think there's, there's basically what I'm saying is there's been more variance on Wisconsin's prediction than there has been as Marquette. There are some people that don't believe they're going to bounce back. Some people that believe they are. Um, I think the biggest thing that people say about Wisconsin going into the season is just everyone knows Ethan Happ's name, so it's really easy to put Ethan Happ out there. Um, Ethan Happ is obviously, like, very... and I'm, like, straining myself to say nice things about Ethan Happ. Um, he's a very good collegiate big man. Um, I think that that's a indisputable fact. Um Second-team All-American kind of bothers me whenever I see those kind of predictions. I know he was... I think he tied for the last spot on the AP All-American team, so we actually made the first team. Um, and I just don't think... Okay, my cr- biggest criticism of Ethan Happ is he said he was going to start shooting um, better, and he and I he has make more collegiate threes than Ethan Happ will. <laughs> he just, like... You, you put us up with the same playing time every season for four years, I think I might make more threes than him. I know he's like really efficient, and Ken Palm loves him. He was his eighth best player in college basketball last year. Uh, I, I just... What I saw from him last year was not encouraging, and I know the roster sort of collapsed around them when uh, they lost King and they lost Trice like simultaneously right before the Marquette game. But like, I, I don't know. I just think the way he decides to play is like not is not, like, when he just hogs usage in the post like he does. I don't find that to be a very efficient way to play basketball. I know he still has, like, good uh, presence around the rim, but it just, like, I, I don't think they benefited a lot from his um, 
skill set last year. I don't know. Maybe that's a hot take, and I just don't like even Hap. But I think I mean that's fair. I think my biggest criticism of Hap um, stems a lot from the fact that I mean criticism, mind you. I I can also understand he's a very good collegiate player. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that he offers zero versatility, and I mean like last year you saw it because no offense. I, I don't think Brad Davison's that good. I think he just had to be good yeah. for the fact that Kane and Trice were out. And I mean, this year they're going to have... Um, I mean, they have Davison back. They have uh, Cleo Iverson back. They have Trice back, probably. They have King back. They're getting Trevor Anderson. Um, I mean, this is going to be a better Wisconsin team. I just, like... They still have Brevin Pritzel, which yeah. is, like, an amazing name Think I, God bless I think I like to tweet about how that sounds like a, something you'd buy in a concession stand more than an actual basketball player. But, but I anyway. just, like, one of their guys just went down injured, too. Yeah, Liam Ford, I saw that. He's not a huge contributor for them, but he's a solid uh, solid uh, size depth. Yeah, and so, that's really going to hurt them if they don't have him because I basically besides Hap, their only other real size is Nate Roivers. And, yeah, yeah I mean, if, if they don't have... If Hap's not working, yeah, if Hap's not working either, I mean... Well, Hap will work, but Hap also can't play probably more than, like, 30 minutes a game just because he's a big dude. So, and he could get into foul trouble, and that would really leave them thin up front. So, yeah, yeah, they they need that guy to come back. I just, I don't know, I don't see... Nothing on the Wisconsin roster jumps out to me as the next best player after Ethan Hap in terms of, like... Correct. Like, for Marquette, you have Marcus Howard, and you have Sam Hauser, and then you get into... Well, Chartuni's really good, and Morrow's really good, yeah. and um, Joey Hauser's going to be really good, and you know, like you you see all that talent, and then you look at the Wisconsin roster. Yeah. I mean, like Brad Davison was only like I, I still stand by this take that I think Brad Davison was only good last year because there was nothing behind Ethan Hat. Yeah, and so he had to take shots, and he had to like get the crap beat out of him going to the rim, and I think he's a fine player. Yeah, I'm, um, I just think not, he got yeah. so much um, notice. For, yeah, because he was like the white dude with the sleeve that was just scrapping like crazy yeah. all the time. He's he's the next most punchable person. Um, he, he's taking uh, JP McCurr's role as the most punchable. Person I was gonna in say basketball. I was gonna say he's like the spiritual successor to Aaron Kraft. Yeah, is my my sort of read on spiritual him. successor. Yeah, yeah, he he could be like Aaron Kraft's little brother, and I wouldn't be shocked. And I mean, he shot he shot thirty five percent from three, um, made sixty threes on the year. I think I think kind of what you're trying to say yeah. is though there's there's a ceiling to what he can do. Yeah, I, I don't see him ever being, you know, on the same level of talent as, mm-hmm. you know, like like I said again, Marcus Howard um, has Sam Hauser and probably Joey Hauser and probably these other players too that are at least close to him. There is such a gap between Hap and the rest yeah. of his team that it's just ridiculous. Really. And, and I think part of the logic is saying, oh, Demetrius Trice and Kobe King are back. Like, this would be great. Demetrius Trice isn't that good. Like, or hasn't been that good. I don't know if he is, but yeah. I, I think to say, like, oh, Demetrius Trice is going to turn it around for the for Wisconsin is, like, kind of high, a high hope. And Kobe King... Had uh, all the talent coming out. Kobe King is a good, I think, is going to be a good player, but I don't know, like, coming off of an injury, only having played, like, 10 games, like, are we sure Kobe King is just going to be, like, ready to go right away as, like, the second 
option besides well, Buzz Kemp. I, I think the, the sneaky. The, I would say the the, the, the <laughs> sneaky the sneaky one here is Trevor Anderson, the transfer okay, so, from yeah Green Bay. Okay, I don't know anything about him. Um, so yeah, so he played on the same Spash team as the, the Housers. Okay, um, well that what was one of was one of the big three from that okay. I believe. And please correct me if I'm wrong. But um, well, I can't correct you, but I I appreciate your insight knowing. Yeah, that. so like yeah, wow. he was he was definitely very good. As a basketball player, he chose to go to Green Bay, outperformed Green Bay. Um, so he only played 18 yeah. games. Was he hurt, maybe? I don't know. No, I th- he was a mids. No, oh, he, was, oh, he no. bailed like... he bailed like. No, because he didn't play the second half of last year. I don't right. know why. I, he must have been hurt then. But, um, I mean, he was, yeah, better, no. he was better than the, the Green Bay Phoenix. Okay. I mean, also shout out Sandy Cohen. <laughs> shout out Sandy Cohen. But, uh, Sandy Cohen graduate. No, he, this is his last year. I think. Really? Wow. Um, but yeah, so I, I think he's the sneaky next best player on Wisconsin. Um, I would argue that he was probably the third of the three at Spash. Okay. So besides the Hauser brothers, yeah. Okay. So um, you know, take that as as you will. Sure. Um, it'll be a it'll be a tougher game than the shellacking we gave him in the Cole Center last yeah, year. Yeah, that was really but, that was a really depressing. But I think game I think it's them. It's a game for Marquette to lose, not a game for Wisconsin to win. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think you can look at the two rosters and say that Wisconsin's is better. I just like, I mean, I get Ethan Happ is good, and Ethan Happ could give Marquette matchup problems down low potentially. Um, to be fair, he had the, the fifth highest usage or percent uh, possessions used last year. In yeah, the I mean, well, like, that's what I was saying. Like, I just hate watching him when he just sucks usage into the post. Like. Yeah. In college basketball, like, and I know Wisconsin plays slow and they play, you know, archaic style basketball. But it's we should just bur- like... we should burn Wisconsin basketball <laughs> offense to the ground, please God. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, so I think we've given that um, enough. Um, yeah. What do you think of just about the um, the overall slate uh, for non conference? What do you? Uh, I have where a, do you see Marquette? Uh, I have us at eleven and two. Um, okay. I actually changed my prediction around while we were talking. Okay. Um, I think they do beat Kansas State at home. It's close. I think they do lose at Indiana. I think they do lose to Kansas and Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, the rest of the non-conference I have is wins. That's what I have as well. Um, I don't think uh, they're going to lose to a team like Buffalo, although, again, I think that's one to watch. Um, the question would be, how do they look neutral site against... Louisville or Tennessee because I think even if they're looking good it's going to be a far it's probably the best gauge we get of them yeah um, it's going to be hard for them to beat Kansas though even if they're looking really good but if they're looking really good I think Louisville is a good enough uh, is is a good matchup for them on the road or sorry in Brooklyn um, and then yeah um, I have them losing in Indiana as well um, that game's too early for me to trust them in a difficult road environment, as I said, and then yeah, I don't think Wisconsin's going to beat them, and I don't think they'll lose any of the home games. Um, so yeah, I think we agree on eleven and two. Um, I think I could see, I could see as as many as like five losses, maybe. But um, I don't, if we have five losses, then this the, yeah the, the world that's is on fire. That so. No, it would be extremely disappointing, I agree. I think, um, if we're being realistic, I think we can't have more than three. Um, I could say, if, if if Kansas State ends up being legitimately good, then if they lose at Indiana, both games in Brooklyn and against Kansas State, then I'm like, okay. You're comfortable with it? I mean, I, don't, I, I think that would make it more difficult for them to make the tournament. 
But well, let's see. I have this very convenient website. Oh yeah, that's up. true. You can run the simulation with that. So I'm just give gonna assume like, they play Louisville again. Yeah, give them uh, like uh, I don't know. Give them like ten and eight in the conference and see if that's good. I enough. gave them my, what I have predicted for the conference, which um, was and like, it, uh, we don't. Well, yeah. We can save it. I it puts us at an eight seed. Okay. So I mean, right. I think that's probably a little bit underperforming the expectations, yeah. but it. Yeah. All things considered, I don't think I'd hate. An eight seed. I think we're we might uh, eleven and two. We might be a little a little on the optimistic side there, um, but I think four would still be within the Reason. range where you'd feel okay um, going into the conference. I don't think you'd feel great if you didn't beat any like the good teams that you're right. having the schedule besides Wisconsin. But yeah, um, you know, I could see them fairly easily losing all four of those games just because those are. Good teams, good programs, yeah. and only one is in a favorable location. Sure. And that's Kansas State. Sure. All right. Uh, let's get into the conference. Um, so I guess the first thing I wanted to talk about is um, I remember when this came out, I was really excited. Um, Marquette, National Marquette, first time in the new arena against Villanova. That's do – how do you feel about that? To me, I thought, you know what, like initially I was like – I kind of sometimes like it if National Marquette Day games are against sort of mid-level Big East teams where it's like it's still an accomplishment to beat them, but it's not super out of the question that like it wouldn't be like a daunting task to beat them because I think it's more fun to be able to sort of experience a victory on that day. Um, Nova lines up for an incredible victory, um, but also is obviously the biggest challenge in the Big East. Um any thoughts on that situation? You you have to think that, um, you know, we did it once when we weren't supposed to. We're at least a lot more yeah. favorable to do it now. Um, so take that as you will. Sure. Um, I would love to be able to celebrate against Nova in the Fiserv. I don't expect to be able to celebrate against Nova in the Fiserv. Mm-hmm. I mean, and maybe Nova is down this year, but until they prove that they're actually down this year, I don't believe that. I think they're down, but I just don't think them being down is enough for them not to win the conference. Yeah, I like, agree. I mean, I don't... This is, Not having a guy like... Like, Jalen Brunson's been on every good Villanova team. Yeah. Like, that we can really point to. And so, like, not having, like, Jalen... A Jalen Brunson or a Dante DiVincenzo or Mikael Bridges... Or like, a Morris Bellman. Really. Yeah, like, they have lost a lot, and they're going to need... Uh, this new wave of guys uh, like Quinterly, Cremo, the Albany grad transfer. Um, uh, they need Phil Booth to be well. F- a they need Phil Booth to be healthy. Yeah. Um, they need like that Colin Gillespie kid who I swear is actually Archie Diakno. Um, like they need him to be good, and I have not been impressed with him. I mean, maybe he's just one of those players that they just need to plug into a role and he'll be good. But I haven't. I haven't ever really been threatened by him as a player. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, Amir I, Cosby Roundtree needs to step up as the next big man presence alongside yeah, Eric Paschal. I agree. Um, He's a very. They seem to fill very similar roles to what like a Spellman would have done, although Spellman was really shooting it well at the end of yeah. last Spellman, year. Spellman was the key to that team. I mean, Spellman like, obviously, awesome. Jalen Brunson was what fantastic. What happened to Spellman? Did he make a roster? Yeah, he's on the uh, Atlanta Hawks. Okay. He went. Either at the tail end of the first round or right at the beginning of the second round. And this is some some live on pod research happening. Right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, 
I still think uh, we're going to probably lose to Nova on National Marquette Day. We're not going to – I don't. Marquette's not going to win in Philadelphia, though. No. I think they're going to get swept by Nova. I actually think they're going to get swept by St. John's. Wow. Spellman played 23 minutes against Philly. Holy yeah. crap. He's playing a lot. I, mean, I guess Atlanta's really bad, but – Yeah. He but... 11 points. That's, <laughs> that's impressive for a rookie. I mean, Henry Ellenson just got his option declined, so there is that. <laughs> um, but, yeah uh, – I, yeah, Nova is going to be a challenge. I think anyone who's picking anyone besides Nova to win the Big East this year is seriously doing some projecting just because, like, I, I'm i not willing to pick against Nova until uh, I, I need, see it. I say I need Nova to have five or six losses in the conference before I pick against Nova. I was, I was just, like, on my Twitter timeline the other day, and I saw an article on The Athletic about how Xavier won the Big East last year, and I was like, "Holy crap!" I didn't. I that doesn't even register for me because since Nova won the title and Nova was still really good last year, and I think Xavier might have beat them by one game, it, it doesn't even register to me that Nova didn't win the Big East. And Nova got Shamori Pons, where he had like, you know, the, yeah. the streak of games against Nova, Duke, yeah. and Marquette, where yeah. he looked like right. the best basketball player to ever touch a ball, yeah. like ever. <laughs> yeah, I just like. It still doesn't, like, Nova, even though they've lost so much, they still don't feel like they're diminished in any way. No. Um, All right, so going through the rest of the conference, um, let's start at the bottom. Um, Teams you feel Marquette should sweep. Um, DePaul. Yeah, (laughs) a great start. That's all Um, we got to start with. That's all we got to say, too. I think it's very critical to point out um, that Steve Wojciechowski has only had one season where he has beaten DePaul twice. Um, Not great. I believe it was the season they made the tournament. Don't. That has to have been right, right? I mean, if it wasn't, I'd be shocked. Yeah, yes. Because I I can't imagine they weathered a a A DePaul DePaul loss on their resume. No, that was... No, yeah, it was the one season they made the tournament. It was when Steve Odonati went 2-0 against DePaul. Yeah, so if Marquette wants to make the tournament, don't lose to DePaul. I think that's a very very good general rule of thumb. Um, Other teams I uh, see as potential... Uh, sweeps for Marquette this year. Um, I have written down on here uh, Creighton and Seton Hall. I agree with that. Um, Creighton is in a weird spot. Um, I think that they're down this year, and then I think that they also have um, some significant... Something that they're not used to, some significant um, headwinds around the program um, scandal-wise. They've been yeah. like weirdly caught up in this uh, FBI thing because of how... They were recruiting um, Brian Bowen. Yeah. Um, and I just like their best projected players being Martin Crampage is a good player. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Yeah. He's a, he's a heck of a player. I was not super impressed by Mitch Ballack, um last year uh, as a freshman. Uh, maybe he'll make a step forward. And then a guy like, like Davion Mintz never really stood off. out for me um epperson the big white guy was good he was but... good but like not in a way that um is super frightening no. um and then i guess the last thing that i want to say about creighton is they have harry froling's little brother sam yeah yeah he's 611 well and then like the caleb joseph syracuse transfer like he ended up being a bench warmer for him and like that was really oh, strange. Wow, I didn't even put that. Together. I don't. I don't know if he's still with the program or not. Um, it, I it's going to be is. a weird year for Creighton because I think they've been pretty reliably decent um, 
since they joined the Big East, and I think that they could be in for some regression this year just yeah. based on what their roster I have them and the other team that we agree on, Marquette sweeping, Seton Hall. Yeah. Sort of interchangeably 8-9. and nine. So I've always been of the mind that Kevin Willard is not a good coach. Um, I he think recruited he's, really well. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think he was really well set up with his uh, roster, um, over the last couple of years, um, that he had a five, he would have had five seniors last year, um, if he hadn't lost, and gosh, I, Isaiah Whitehead, yes, I remember yeah. the name without looking, Isaiah Whitehead early, after Isaiah Whitehead had that torrid Big East tournament, um, where they actually won in, um, Madison Square Garden, but, um, he had the, the four senior class of Carrington, Delgado, Rodriguez, and Sonogo, um, but I think that losing all of them is going to be a really big challenge um, for Seton Hall. I just, I mean, not not even to talk about the fact. I mean, so they have returning uh, Miles Powell. They have returning Miles Kale, uh, Michael uh, Niezi, um, and then they get. I believe it's Enzi. Enzi, how that guy? Um, <laughs> then they have uh, Torian Thompson. Another Syracuse transfer okay. is eligible. I was going to say Torian Thompson is a name I recognize, but I couldn't pin it. But they've lost. They've lost Jordan Walker. They've lost Aaron Gordon. Um, Derek Gordon. Aaron. Aaron Gordon. Oh, Aaron. E R. Yeah. E R. Derek Gordon was. So they they lost those two guys to transfer dismissal, I believe. Okay. And then yeah, I just don't see them replacing Carrington Delgado, Desi Rodriguez, and Ismael Sonogo. In one fell swoop. So, that doesn't happen. So the weird thing is Ken Palm and Bardovic really like them. Um, Ken Palm has them 26, Bardovic has them 20. That is surprising. Which me. is high. It's really high. That is But they're both in front of Marquette in their models. Wait, I don't I don't buy I don't, it. I don't see that, yeah. Oh, excuse me. You know what? I blew that. I was on uh, Ken Palm from last season. Bardovic has them really high. Bardovic has them 20. Yeah. Ken Palm has them 54. Oh, 54 yeah. makes a lot more sense. Yes. Yes, it um, does. I was on their last season page when I said that. And I mean, they don't really play anybody. That's false. But they don't play they any. Kentucky, but. <laughs> well, so they they play. It's not a great number. They play at well. Nebraska. They play home against St. Louis. They play. No, it's not. Home against Louisville. Kentucky is the game on Kentucky, there. Kentucky, and then they like, play okay, one one noted Rutger and Maryland. Oh, Rutger. Um, yeah, I'm not a. Uh, Ken Palm has them. Uh, fourteen and fourteen, eight and ten. I I would buy that. That's probably fair. I think that's I think that's the kind of season they're gonna have. I I just think they're down, and I think um, Marquette has had ever since that group of seniors that just left, um, sort of matured. Marquette has had a hell of a time playing them. Um, those games have been insane and back and forth, and I just am not um, a believer in them this year at all. And again, I'm always have been fully team uh kevin willard is not a very good coach sure um okay uh the rest of the conference um so i guess here's how i'll start with this one outside of villanova which team um scares you the most st john's easy um just the explosiveness on that roster Mm -hmm. if if chris mullen can coach his way out of a paper bag like yeah um that backcourt is there's just nasty there's just no way they're not the second or third best team in the conference. Yeah. If they can even put a semblance of a 
organized team. And I think that's probably the worry is that they might not be able to because we're not sure that Chris Mullen is a good coach because he really hasn't had a team that lined up super well yet. So I... I actually have, to be fair, I have St. John sweeping Marquette this year. I think okay. that, I think Chamori Pons goes God mode is a first team All American in the conversation for National Player of the Year, and okay. I think St. John's. Um, so in mine, I I had Marquette sweeping St. John's. So oh, we disagree that's on that interesting. one because I think that's going to be in, in the um, those table. those are really like the those are the St. John's this year, and then I think um, Providence this year and Butler this year. I think okay. those three plus Marquette and Villanova should be the top five. And I think I, that that's fair. And I honestly think that whoever wins the most in between those four that aren't Nova mm-hmm. will just be second. I think that's a fair. Well, way to obviously, look at it. duh. But like, no, no. But I mean, you could make arguments about some of the other teams sneaking up into that section. I think. I think that a lot of what you've seen in the preseason is that there's not a lot of separation between two through nine in the Big East. Um, everyone mostly agrees that Villanova will win and DePaul will get last, but there's really not a lot of um, space in between. I mean, if you look at if you look at Ken Palm's uh, rankings, Marquette is the second highest Big East team at 29, um, and then uh, you scroll down to the last team before DePaul is Georgetown at 57. Yeah. So 29 to 57 to have eight teams in that mix shows you there's not really a lot of. Um, there's a ton of parity. There's not a lot of separation between the teams. Um, my team that I think is the most dangerous outside of Villanova is Butler. Um, and I, I don't know if Butler's the most talented team. Um, and I do have, um, if they had still had Chris Holtman as their coach, I think I would feel a lot more uh, confident. Laval Jordan, by all counts, had a fantastic year. He had a great first year. Absolutely. With a team that wasn't supposed to be that good right. last year. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just don't know. I mean, I know he was a big, he was very well um, respected at UW-Milwaukee. Um, but I don't, I just don't, I don't think he's proved it on a big stage that he is a fantastic coach yet. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm just, I think the jury's still out. Okay. Um, but I think that Butler has the best home court advantage in the conference. Xavier might give them a run for their money, uh, but I would still agree with you. Yeah, Xavier's I just, home I just know good. like it. Like, regardless of how good Butler is, I'm always worried about that game. Um, I don't know if Marquette has ever won it in the Big East. I don't Not think that they I'm have. aware of. Because I remember they were killing them one year. I think that might have been they were 17 when they yeah. were killing them and they blew, like, a 20-point lead. Andrew Shravis, dude. Dude, haunts oh, my nightmares well, to this oof, day. That guy was... He was a, just a certified Marquette killer. Oh, yeah. He was... Yeah, he was a, he was a dog, man. He, 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 he killed them. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think Providence is just s- sneaky, really, really good. I think Providence could be a. Providence team. has some players. I, getting I think, Emmett Holt back yeah. is going to be big for them. Alpha Diallo might be one of the best athletes in the conference. Might be one of the best on-ball defenders in the conference, at least, at, or one of the best yeah. wing defenders in the conference. I think Kamar Baldwin's probably the only better perimeter defender. But Alpha Diallo is a certified athletic freak. So fun fact um, on I keep bringing up one shining podcast I know, but. Emmett Holt got kicked out of Indiana. I didn't know he got kicked out. I thought he had just transferred. But um, um, moving on from that, yeah, he. Uh, I don't. Know, I think. I think really, you're looking at Villanova is going to be probably a consistent top ten team all year. I think you have Marquette, St. John's, Butler, and Providence sort of flirting in between twenty five or twenty and thirty five, probably. Yeah. Um, 
I did the I did the research by the way. Marquette has never beat Butler and Hinkle in the that doesn't shock in the Big East. They're zero for five. That so. doesn't shock me one bit. Yeah, and I have them zero for six. And I, 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 too. I also have them zero for six. I do have them beating Butler at home. Yeah, um, I do. I actually have. I think the biggest. There, so I have a six-game winning streak in conference where I have home. Yeah, we can versus, talk about our whole group here. Well, I was gonna say I just have home versus Xavier away at Creighton, home versus Seton Hall away at Georgetown, home versus Providence, home versus DePaul. Six in a row, I think they should Those be wins. a real all. Yeah. But then I have a four-game losing streak right after that, which right. is away at Xavier, away at Butler, home against St. John's, and the National Marquette Day, home against Villanova. That feels like one of those things where it looks fine on paper, but is impossible to actually play out that way in real life because I just feel like them winning six in a row and Isn't losing four happen. in a row yeah. is like a weird like mental thing that like on paper those that's how those games look, but it would be hard for them. Um, you had eleven and seven, correct? yeah. I, so I had them eleven and seven, twenty-one and nine overall. Um, and yeah. according to Bartovic, that puts them as the last six seed. Yeah. Okay. So I had um, them at uh, I believe twelve and eight, or no, that eleven and seven. Matter. Excuse me, twelve and six. Um, had to go the other way with the losses. Uh, twelve and six and uh, uh, twenty-three and seven. Over, no, twenty-three and eight overall. So that, Twenty-two and eight overall. Okay, let me do that again. I had them this at is, this is why he's a journalism major. Yeah, this or is, was a journalism Math is major. hard. Math is hard. Uh, Twelve and six in conference and twenty-two and eight overall. There, there we go. go. I got it. And that had him as a five seed. Um, so I think that that's a reasonable. Those are both reasonable outcomes yeah. for them. Um, I think my prediction puts them third in the Big East behind St. John's. Um, I don't. Which, I don't think I ever saw where mine. I, I mean, I'm just it. doing it. Purely by the yeah. biggest teams ranked ahead of Marquette in the the seeding. Sure. Um, oh yeah. So I uh, I mean obviously Nova I think I think that the long takeaway here is that as long as Marquette's in the top four this year I don't think I'm going to be too disappointed. Yeah. Um, the the way that the schedule lines up, um, this has to be a tournament team, right? I mean, if it's not, it's a it's a huge surprise. Yeah, um, I mean, this is a team that. If if they don't make the tournament, this is it'd be a huge letdown. Th- this is it. It will not be a fire wojo year. I'm gonna no, say no. no. And so but, I think that's the last thing we kind of wanted to talk about is sort of um, for wojo. Um, you know what does wojo need to do? Um, but I think we should preface that by saying that I don't think like if wojo goes 500, I don't think he's gonna get fired. Like. Like as long as he he's has like, next year, he has he has next year, which we shouldn't be saying. But if yeah. yeah, well, just because I think, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast yet, but I just think the university really likes Steve Wojciechowski as a representative of the university. Yeah. So I think even if he goes like seven and eleven in the conference, they lose like four to five, four ish maybe non conference games. Miss the tournament. Um, miss the tournament and go like right around five hundred. I don't think he's going to get fired because I think that they believe in the roster that he has, and I think they believe in him as a coach and as a person and a leader and an ambassador for the university. Um, Uh, And obviously, I'm not on any form of firewater train. I mean, this is this is the the warm seat year. This is the year where you should be. uh, I'll give him some wiggle room. You should be a top eight, not not like a a one or a two seed, but like you should be in the top half of the tournament field. Mm -hmm. um, You know, so somewhere above. a nine seed. Um, you should finish in the top half of the Big East. 
Um, you just have the roster to do it. And I think that if he doesn't do that, he'll certainly be here next year, but next year will be the, the seats on fire year. Yeah. Um, um, and I think that what you will see if he disappoints this year with something less than 20 wins and missing the tournament is the, the people around the program will really start to get antsy with it. Um, people are, you know, high expectations are killers in that way. I remember how um, when Buzz Williams um, was picked to win pretty much unanimously the Big East um, in his in the first year of the new Big East, and the team was in bad shape. Everyone was like, "Oh God, like what do we this do? This is a disaster!" Yeah. And obviously, he took the he took the um, easy way the decision <laughs> out of everyone else's hands and rendered that irrelevant pretty quickly. But I think um, when you look at this being a massive year for Wojo, I just think the um, the expectations um, are set for them to be kind of what we described sort of in that 22-23 range. Or 21-22 is what we have? Yeah, 21-23 yeah. win range, I think, is right around where their expectations are. And if they fall short of that significantly, I think that that's going to be a really sore spot for a lot of the people around the program. Yeah. Um but again, I think we both agree that he's not going to get fired by any stretch of the imagination this year. Um, I guess one last thing um, before we go. Um, do you have sort of where you think the team will perform sort of like once the once they get to the tournament, presumably? Where like where do you what's your outcome? I know we've got a record and yeah. well, what do you see as an outcome? Um I mean, so I just closed it. But uh, so I have uh, Marquette being a, a six seed. Um, that means they'd be playing an 11 seed. The 11 seeds listed in here are Iowa, St. Louis, Nebraska, Ohio State, St. Mary's, UCF. Obviously, you have to play in two of those four. Sure. Um, so, I mean, I would expect... You don't a, have to do it super scientific. Well, I, I, would expe- I would expect a win out of yeah. any of those, like, playing right. any of those teams. That would bring Marquette up against a three seed, which are Oregon, Tennessee, Florida, and Auburn. Yeah, and I, and I think, you um, know, any six seed against a three seed in the NCAA tournament is going to be a – you're not going to be predicted to win, and no. you're going to have uh, – you're going to need a couple of bounces to go their way. I think it's a reasonable thing um, if they're ranked sort of in the the mid-20s of a lot of people's top 25s to expect them to be a second-round team with sort of a coin flip game to get into the third. Like, Sweet 16. I can see, like uh, – Honestly, it'd be really funny to me if this ends up being even semi-accurate, and they go, they beat say Louisville and Brooklyn, and then get drawn into number three seed Tennessee's bracket and play them in the second round. <laughs> that would be pretty like, funny. Um, so make that would that would be interesting. Game. But um, I don't know. I think that uh, the, the teams listed in that three seed range. So again, Oregon, Tennessee, Florida, Auburn. Um, all going to be tough outs. Um, obviously, they're yeah. three seeds, but but again, any yeah. team that's a three seed, regardless of how that plays it's out, good. is going to be yeah. a tough out. If they're a, if they're like a, f- a five or a six seed, which I think if they are in the twenty one to twenty three range and they're second in the Big East, that's a fair thing there to expect. I, I think that a good and I think you agree with me on this that a good um, sort of expectation for them is win a game in the tournament. Like if they can clear that hurdle um, and. They don't get stomped in the second, second in the second yeah. round. Have a, third round. Have a playable now. game. Yeah. Have no. Like a, they they switched that back finally. Did they? Really? Yeah. It's, it's they now back to the first that. four. Now it's first and second round. That's amazing. Um, um, but yeah, I think don't get don't get stomped on in the second round. Yeah. And and I think everyone will go home happy with that. I mean, I mean, we'll be disappointed, but we'll also go. That was what we expected. Yeah. And I think um, 
they have the roster to do that. Um, and I and I don't expect sort of the inconsistencies um, on defense to just disappear overnight. Um, but I think that the Big East is down enough and their schedule is good enough um, to get them into a good spot. Um, and I think that that's a reasonable expectation. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, I think that's it. I think, And then the next time we'll be talking to you is... Yeah, uh, um, we're going to pod after Bethune-Cookman, I think. Yeah, um, that's the plan. So we will be back with a review of the first two games and a look forward to that tricky game against Indiana. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thanks. it.